Hi, and welcome to episode 69 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger, and my guest today is Neil Fraser, more commonly known as simply Fraser. His work is in landscape, not rolling hills or calming seascapes, but the harsh and dangerous environments in our world, where the sea smashes against jagged rocks or freezing glaciers slide past uninhabitable snowy peaks. It's the physicality and energy of these places that he's aiming to convey, and he does so spectacularly. Fraser started his career as an abstract painter and I've previously referred to him as the master of negative space and if you've seen his work, you'll know why. We talk about this and lots of other aspects of his work in this episode. He's had dozens of solo shows in Australia and New Zealand and in fact his solo show at Martin Brown Contemporary in Sydney opens in a few days after this episode goes online in May 2019. Although he grew up in New Zealand, he spent half of his life in Australia where he completed his master's after postgraduate studies in New York. All the works we talk about are on the website talkingwithpainters.com. We also talk a bit about abstract and figurative work in this episode. And for those of you who might not have an art background, a figurative painting, contrary to what the name suggests, doesn't necessarily have a figure in it. It refers to work which is a realistic representation of the subject matter as opposed to an abstract work. We recorded this episode in Fraser's studio in Sydney's Inner West and we start with Fraser telling me about his family background and early days growing up in New Zealand. My parents were both um, uh, the kids from farms, you know, they're, they're farming background right the way through. And out of their families, they both would have been the only ones that went to university. Mm. My dad ended up running a university department and my mum. In the very end, she was the headmaster of a special school. And, and, and so what about, so they, did they have an art background or anything? They, you know, I mean, I guess I grew up with paintings on the wall. They always had, um, you know, sort of photographic prints of, of different painters. And when they went to Europe when I was about 11, I asked, asked my dad to get me a, a Goya painting to bring home. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> So, where did you? Where did you? Uh... Where did I get that from? I don't know. I just, uh, you know, I think I think we had one of the paintings we had was that one of uh, one of the prints we had was the one of Satan eating his son. So. Oh my god! Yeah, that, that is going to make an impression on a kid. Yeah, I thought that's pretty cool. And so, uh, yeah, so I asked for him to bring back. I think it was the portrait of King Charles, of Spain. Oh, anyway, you yeah, know, that, yeah. so I grew up with that on my wall. And do you have any memories of drawing or...? Oh, yeah. No, I drew, drew compulsively from when I was really, really small. Uh, every night I would draw and I would just, you know, sit and draw while I was watching TV and, uh, you know, that was, that was kind of what I did. Mm. What sort of things? Uh, do you remember? Oh, look, mostly I'd draw things in front of me. I'd draw, like, portraits of people in the room, that kind of thing, and draw mm. my hands and, you know, try and figure out how you draw this or that. I'd make things up, but mostly I'd try and draw real things. Yeah. Mostly with Byra, but, you know, it was oh, what it was. Right. Well, you're a kid, you know. Yeah. So I presume you did art at school? Yeah, I did, but um, my parents were kind of conscious that uh, I was probably going to have to make a living at something. 
So, so they actually wouldn't let me do art when I was like in the third form or the fourth form. I tried to do bookkeeping and I was really, really hopeless. Oh, so bookkeeping is like accounting. God. Yeah, yeah. and I just, my maths is shocking. Yeah, you know, right. It's just ridiculous. But, oh, yeah. You know, it was the idea that maybe you needed to make a living when you got older. Yeah, yeah. Look, I can, you look, you can sort of understand it that, you know, a parent would be a bit worried. Yeah, of course, of course. Know? And in, in my mind, I, I kind of thought, I guess when I was about 15, I thought, well, yeah, I could be an artist, but I'd probably be a postman as well or something like that. Yeah. So, so that was kind of why I, I thought from fifth, at 15, I thought I would go to art school. That was kind of my plan. So you went to the University of Canterbury. Is that in Christchurch? Yeah. So I, I tried to shift away from Hamilton and uh, I got into both of the art schools and I tried to shift away so I went to Christchurch which was at the time supposed to be a really good school for painting and that was that was my interest even then. So. Oh okay what was that like moving to there? Did yeah you... I'm a homebody so it took me a little bit of adjustment um, you know going to art school but at the same time I was so useless at, useless at real school that uh, you know I got to university and I, I kind of, uh, you know, I felt at home with it. I, you know, yeah. I, I made friends that were uh, a bit like me, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Now, what I'm interested in is the fact that your career started off in abstract work. Yeah, when I came out of art school, uh, and I guess while I was at art school, I was interested in abstract painting, but I was kind of, I had a boot in both camps at that time. I guess I liked art, uh, artists like um, Arbuck, you know, uh, uh, Pollock, you know, it's a whole, whole bunch of interests that I had at that point. Mm. And when I graduated, I could have gone either way with painting. And uh, you know, I could I could have become a figurative painter at that point, or I could have been a, a purely abstract painter. The paintings that I did kind of sat on the fence a little bit. Mm. You know, I had shows at that point, I had shows of drawings. I used to draw a lot, mm. uh, and and I had shows of of these large, colourful, sort of semi-abstract, semi-figurative paintings. And yeah. uh, well, I think you had your first show like in when you were about 23. So it wasn't, sh it was shortly after you finished uni. Yeah, pretty much straight after. And then... Uh, that must have been pretty amazing. Was it exciting or was that the sort of thing that happened back then? Yeah, you tried to do that. That's what we endeavoured to do. And looking back on it, it's kind of a bit embarrassing, the work that I did. But, you know, I did it with them. Vigor and enthusiasm. Well, I think you know, nearly every artist probably looks back there first. <laughs> Things. Yeah. Was it was it more sort of like because I, I did folks on the internet because you have been a figurative painter for a long time. So I think I was lucky to find on the internet a 1996 show because I was looking for your abstract work and it was you know beautiful um, large paintings which were pretty much focused on co like colour seemed to be a huge thing in with those works. Is that the sort of thing that you were preoccupied with or what, what sort of work were you doing? Well, yeah, I, I guess my primary interest wasn't so much colour as texture, mm. but uh, along, with, along with the texture came colour. You know, I was interested in um, kind of optical things. I was interested in, you know, when you shut your eyes, what, what you might see when you, when, when you closed your eyes. And that created kind of like electrical colour kind of impulses across the field. So I was using after sight, after image. 
Yeah, I went to New York Studio School, uh, and I've got to say, uh, that was postgraduate, because I read done my degree, and, and uh, you know, I can't say I loved the New York Studio School, it was, it was, it was there, but I was in a very vibrant city at the time, and, and to be going back to school again and to be in a, a life class just didn't interest me. I really wanted to be looking at the city and thinking about what was happening in the city. Mm. And uh, I went to see a show that was on at the Max Hutchison Gallery. Max Hutchison was an Australian dealer that was showing in New York, and I saw a work there by a painter called Milton Resnick at the time. Uh, it was a massive painting. I think it was called Elephant. Anyway, I've sort of retrospectively looked at, at that series. Mm. But just a massive colour color field painting that was really textured. And that painting really changed the way I painted. Uh, up, up to that point, I, I, you know, I could have been a figurative painter. But when I saw that picture, I decided um, right then and there pretty much to, to, to explore a more minimal oh, kind of what was figuration. It like? What was the painting like? Well, it was just so evocative and textural. It just it could have been so many things. It just had so many possibilities in it. And it was one of those sort of moments in painting where you think, wow. Uh, and um, I was on a Fulbright scholarship, but I, I, I had Arts Council funding, which didn't turn up. So I was kind of short on cash. Yeah. And, and uh, I ended up getting a job at Paula Cooper Gallery in New York, which was one of the best minimal galleries and still is in the world and I had exposure then to a whole lot of um, her artists, guys like Donald Judd and uh, Joel Shapiro and uh, I think Elizabeth Murray, uh, you know, I really admired her work and I'd seen it before I went to New York and I was able to work in her studio. So that was a really great exposure. So what made you come back to Australia? Yeah, in, in the 90s, uh, about 93, I got a um, residency with the Victoria College of the Arts and oh, okay. uh, that was actually in the home of uh, Clifton Pugh. Um, oh really? Yeah, Dunmuchin. <laughs> and that was wild, that was, that was really fun. Uh, and so Joe and I shifted uh, and at that time I was a purely abstract painter doing these really large colour field paintings mm. and uh, I got a show with Luba Baloo Gallery but I, I sold very little during that period and it was pretty hard to make a living. I, I, I ended up house painting and uh, Joe was working in the cafe at the end of the pier and we just found it too hard in the end. So we kind of went back to New Zealand thinking we could probably you know, more easily make a living from painting. Uh, and then we returned to Australia uh, 1999 we came back and we've been here in Sydney ever since. Well, I was looking at your work um uh, because you, you now show with Martin Brown Contemporary in Sydney. Um, you're also represented by lots of other galleries as well. But um, I was looking at your exhibitions with Martin Brown and it was so interesting to see the transition from 2004 to 2005. Um, like 2004, there was sort of the horizon line was in there, but it was really still quite abstract. And then by 2005, really, you started really coming into figuration uh, with landscape, um, with glaciers and mountains and water and that sort of thing. Was there a catalyst for that? Yes and no. I, I, I kind of think it just, the, the, the abstract painting for me just kind of reached its conclusion uh, and it sort of naturally started to head into, um, into a figuration. And all of a sudden, it was kind of like a... a before, before I, I 
wrote books that didn't have plots, and now there was kind of a plot. It was kind of mm. uh, a different way. But is I mean, it more like? Did you find it an exciting prospect? I did. Yeah, it was a nice challenge. You know, all yeah. of a sudden, I, I, you know, I probably in the past I'd wanted to 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 do that, and I couldn't. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, I could do that. I think oftentimes the abstract paintings were were about the same issues. Uh, you know, they were about the world, about the natural world. Uh, but it was just put together in a different kind mm. of way. I don't see. I really don't see that abstract and figurative painting is that different. I, mm. I see similarities rather than differences. Yeah. I sort of th certainly think of it in the way that you compose a picture. You, you you think of it in that way. You think what your eye does in a picture, and it does the same sort of thing in an abstract painting. You eye wander around wanders around the picture in the same kind of way. You get a lot of the same senses. So I, you know, in a way, it's not that different. But all of a sudden, the paintings kind of had a plot and they kind of had a bit more of a purpose, perhaps. I was looking at abstraction thinking, well, where do you go with it? Where do you take it? Do you become more and more reductive to the point that there's nothing there? You know, the, the different, different possibilities. But with, with figuration, I didn't know where it was going to go. So it sort of just opened up the possibilities. Mm. And I really enjoyed that. Mm. And all of a sudden, I could do these trips to places and the places suggested how I might deal with them in terms of painting. Well you've been to some really remote regions um, in Australia in um, like gorges in Northern Territory in Western Australia, you've been Tasmanian coastline, lots of coastlines, um, Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been to a lot of, of different places. Are you seeking out a certain type of landscape when you go to these places? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking for, for a kind of uh, beauty that's really physical and a kind of beauty that's kind of scary. I mean, I, I know people don't like to say beauty. It's kind of like something they don't like to talk about. But um, I guess I'm attracted to the thought that that there's a danger about those places. Mm. And, and you know, the sea, you look at the sea and you think, you know, you couldn't exist there. It's not, not somewhere that, that we're comfortable. It's, it's, it's not it, a sandy beach. No, it's got a kind of a threat about it and a physicality, and that's what attracts me. And that's, you know, I'm looking at these places and thinking you could die there and thinking how was it formed physically by weather and, and, and time. Mm. So there's a whole lot of issues that go on, but but those are the places that appeal to me, the places yeah. that, that are harsh in one in one form or another. Uh, well, the uh, rocks in particular, because rocks um, feature hugely in your work, and the rocks are often that sort of layered, eroded type of rock that's not, you know, it, it would be hard to climb, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I just I I, I like the. the the texture and the feel of it, and, and uh, you get into the desert and the, the smell of the desert and the, the harshness of it and how it feels on your feet. It's it's just an experience, and you walk through it, and it's 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 an active experience. It's not passive. It's not not sitting there. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm not opposed to other people painting a still life. You know, I think that's great, but for me, no, it has to have more activity. Mm. Well, and also you can't help but think when you look at your work um, about environmental aspects because we're looking at, you know, nature in its rawest form. Yeah, and there's no people and there's no houses mm. and it's not like, you know, it's... Uh, 
do you ever think about the sort of, those sort of environmental aspects when you're doing your work? Uh, well, not so much. What I think about is, is uh, how the land itself was formed and, and obviously how we're so sort of pathetic and tiny in comparison to the landscape. Uh, you know, that's, that's a, a big point. Um, and, and look, I do reflect on, on, on the business of global warming and I think that's probably the most important single issue in politics or the world today. Mm. I mean, it's got to be, but I don't paint about that. I don't, I, I, I just can't. I mean, I, I do think, I think there are good causes, but I don't think that, that, that often good painting is produced you know, specifically because it's about a good cause. Mm. Uh, mm. So, you know, I, I think those, those things come back into the work. It can, uh, it's also in the eye of the beholder as well. Exactly. People interpret things the way they want to interpret them, and it's not necessarily an intention of a, an artist or that's going to Yeah, know, yeah. And obviously different artists do work in different ways. You know, and that, that's, that's great. Everybody's not the same. Yeah. Those rocks that, that you're tackling have got such a complex sort of detail to them in a way. It, it, when, you, when you tackle that sort of thing, is it through like just really intense observation that you, you sort of get that texture the way you want it? Oh, look, I'm not sure about that. I, I, I guess in part, if you look at the way, say, Goya's able to paint a, a, a fabric and he doesn't do it in a detailed way. No, but you're it right. in, implies detail. And you know, that's, that's the trick. I mean, I, I, you know, my paintings, you know, I do take a whole lot of photographs, but I'm kind of not, not trying to, to paint that frozen moment that is a photograph. I'm mm. trying to paint the physical texture of the place and the photograph's a reference for that. So, so I guess you develop ways of doing it and sort yeah, of tricks and sort yeah. of, but you're always trying to invent new ways of doing it. It's never, you can't get satisfied about it and think, well, this is how I'm gonna paint rocks from now on. You've got to look at new ways of doing it different ways of describing it but I really want it to contain energy I just don't want it to be passive I just want it to be physical mm. and, and I destroy a lot of paintings because they just don't have the right kind of energy and, and it's just that I destroy must be, that must be actually quite well, depressing it, 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 it is really depressing <laughs> but then at the same time it can be quite a release because you're kind of moving on but I probably destroy more than half probably more like really? two-thirds of what I do yeah but I paint really fast I go at it I do it and if I don't like it I'll just you know I'll stop and it's it's what's really hard is if you have weeks in a row when it's like that and and Months mm. even when 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 nothing seems to come through. But, oh, so that can happen for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a real psychological battle. I mean, you just got to look at. I, I sort of think of it as being a little bit like you see people playing tennis and look at the way Leighton Hewitt tries to, you know, go for every point. And you're trying to do that. That's that's what you're trying to do. So, do you feel when you say you destroy a lot of work, is that because you think I'm I, I, don't, I just cannot let this be in an exhibition sort of a thing. Or... Yeah, well, you know, probably there's a lot of people out there who think I should destroy a whole lot more. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I look at it and I feel uncomfortable about it. It's yeah. just a feeling. And I think, yeah. well, you know, it just doesn't really do it for one reason or another. I'm not saying I'm the best judge, but I think, you, you know, when you're a painter, you've got to be your own judge. You mm. can't... I mean, I've got Joe there. She'll tell me, but... 
I don't want it to tell me. I, I want to figure it out myself. I want, I want to be sure. Yeah. I want, you know, yeah. what have you got if you haven't got your own idea about things? You know, it's kind yeah. of like that. Well, can, I, can we talk about composition? Because this is a huge interest for me, generally in painting, but particularly with your work, because um, you've got one very distinctive thing in your work, and which you're famous for, is the use of negative space. And there is more often than not, and I'd say almost in every painting, um, there will be a, a shape within that painting which has been surrounded by, say, rocks or, and water or, or some sort of formation. And that section will be flat and it'll be white. And it gives this great feeling with the paintings. This, it's like almost an otherworldly effect to it, in my view, in that, you know, it's sort of, it's so stark next to the rest of the painting. Now, is that a central part of your composition right from the beginning, or is that something that you develop as you go through? Well, it's both, uh, because technically the way I'm doing it, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taping out that area. So I have to have an idea of, of roughly where it's going to be. Uh, but at the same time, once I've done that, I can still paint over that, those areas so I can change them. But yeah, it operates in a kind of in a bunch of different ways. One way is that it creates this sort of deep space, so you're looking at it and you can see into it. it and because it doesn't have any indication of a skyline or, or sky, you, you don't know the depth of it. Mm. So, so that's one way that it, it creates this deep, believable space. The viewer kind of fills it in. They kind of see a sky of their own. Yeah. They're bringing their own experience to it and filling it with that. Mm. So it operates in that way. But it also, it kind of intensifies those other areas. So oh, definitely. So, so the texture, you know, that's another way that it works. It kind of, and like marks... Yeah, it that, makes it pop out almost. Yeah, and yeah. also that marks that I'll create will, will go straight toward the white space and then they're cut off in this. So the mark is, has an energy that isn't contained uh, by that mast area. Mm. Another way that they work is that the, um, you know, they work as a completely abstract idea too. So they kind of work within the composition of the picture. Yeah. And then well, they're also, and also they've, like it's sometimes the water as well. It's not just the sky. No, no, that's right. It, it, like can, that, that it can indicate different things. Yeah. 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 Well, that painting Bird's Eye, where you've got this shape that's basically coming through the centre of the painting, which is a, basically a river between two sort yeah. of rocks. Yeah, formations. that's right. And I, I can use it to create, a, a, you know, the idea of a river or perhaps a glacier. So yeah. it, it can be all kinds of different things. And the yeah. other way it sort of operates is to work with the outside, outside of the picture. So, I mean, mostly you're showing pictures in a white space and then you've got this white area within the picture. So it kind of works with what's happening around the picture as well. So it's something I've been fooling around with for a while and, you know, I probably will continue to fool around with for a while. But yeah. um, it's also, I mean, I think in the beginning I was thinking that when I first became a figurative painter that I'll... If you think of the painting as being like a car, let's say, and to understand the car, you kind of take it apart. And in a sense, that's what I was trying to do, was kind of take apart the painting and, and look at its constituent parts. And then I thought, well, why not take out the sky? Let's see what happens mm. with that. And uh, Then as you think, well, why not take out a river area? You know, it's, it's kind of yeah. a way of looking at it, a way of understanding it, and well. a way of seeing how the other parts work together without that part, you know, perhaps at some point I'll 
be leaving out the rocks and <laughs> <laughs> painting the skies. I haven't been terribly <laughs> successful at skies so far, but uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it must be. Do you feel as though your um, your past as an abstract painter is sort of this is just oh, absolutely. It's I a think... way you approach your work. Yeah, but also I think as an abstract painter, you, you're often investigating marks, and, and then I'm using the same marks as a figurative painter, but using them in a, in a figurative way. What I find interesting in your work is how you can create these amazing effects with the layering. I was an oil painter for 20 years or something, and then uh, even longer. I guess when I first became a figurative painter, I was still painting in oil, mm. and then gradually I shifted into, into acrylic. And what the acrylic enabled me to do was do more layering, uh, because I'm not a wet into wet painter, although I'm, a, I'm obviously an impasto painter. Uh, like You see a lot of painters at the moment that are palette knife painters, and they paint, paint wet into wet, mm. and I'm not that kind of painter. I, I will use... Uh, glazing techniques and uh, you know and layering and uh, just to try and achieve mm. I don't know more or, or, or something different I mean it's a different energy about it but I'm not a palette knife painter and I don't you know I don't do the whole picture in one go right you see that one on the floor there uh, you know there's no C in it at the moment oh, I'll yeah. do that separately so when you say you're not a palette knife painter... I don't use palette knives. I you never don't have. use palette knives? No, I never have. You're kidding me. I thought all of these were palette knives. No, no. <laughs> People think that. I've had reviews say, you know, I'm a palette knife painter, but I'm not. And I look for different ways of painting. You know, I use different things. Ah. I do have a palette knife over there, but I don't use it for painting. I want it to feel like it's a brush mark, even if it... It doesn't look like that. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I do use brushes. So you know, I use anything that comes to hand. But there's a sameness about palette knife painting that I don't like, and that's why I don't do it. You know, I don't like the sameness ah, of the mark. And, right. and, you know, I don't. And with acrylic paint, you can kind of you can you can buy it by the bucket. I mean, you look at those buckets. Like well, ten, exactly. Ten, ten liter buckets was fantastic. And do I you can, have a preference for what acrylic paint you get? I mean. Yeah, well, you know, I use a, an acrylic paint that has quite a bit of tooth to it. Um, the Matisse paint has a good, good tooth to it. Yeah, but, um, right. You know, paint's amazing stuff. I mean, it's liquid and then it's solid. It's, it's yeah. You know, well, especially it's, the acrylics because they um, dry so fast. You, you can get your painting, I mean, with your technique, oh, you, you wouldn't be able to. It'd take you months no, to do. No, well, look, as an oils. oil painter, they weren't yeah. drying over years and it would take five or six years for a painting to be dry underneath. Mm. You think it's dry on the top, but uh, you know, it's, in, in the long term you've got to worry about cracking because you've got different layers and layers that are dry and layers that are wet. But with acrylic paint, at least theoretically, it dries in one go and it's, it's still flexible. And, yeah, right. So if you come over with the glaze, it's not going to crack. No, because you're not trapping oil underneath like you are with an oil painting. If you yeah. paint like that, and you can see I use a fan, and uh, you know I put acrylic paint on liberally. I mean, really thick, and mm. put the fan on, and the next day it's dry, and that's the way it is. You can paint over it again. Yeah. The paint technology has improved out of sight in the last 20, 30 years, and acrylic paint now you, you, you most 
painters, you can't really tell the difference. It's difficult, no, difficult I, to be able totally. to know. You know, I was, it's funny because I always thought you paid in oils. And, I, um, and when I read it was acrylic, I was surprised because you just can't tell the difference. Yeah, well, look, it's, I mean, I, you look at a painter like Tim Storyer and, you know, I mm. he, see him painting in acrylic oil and I can't see the difference. No, that's right, you know, exactly. Uh, and so. also, um, the only drawback I would think with acrylics that when I've tried acrylic is the colour is darker when it dries. Do you... Is that what happens? Yeah, it does change as it dries uh, a little bit, but um, I guess it's the way I paint. Uh, I don't, I don't notice that so much anymore. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I know what you're saying, but it doesn't. I sort suppose of bother it's only me. if you want it. It's only if you the next day you sort of want to match something. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> and there's not a tremendous subtlety about the way I do it. So, uh, it, uh... <laughs> do you mix paint? Do you mix your paints? I, I do, yeah, yeah. I mix the paints. I don't, uh, but um, I guess like my black is always not black. I always mix it. It's always a mixed yeah, black right. out of purples and blues and browns and things. And um, oh, okay. So would you mix a big a big tin of it? Look over there. See that one? Oh right. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, We're looking at a big like an, a, a huge tub. That's well, a hell of a tub, yeah. Oh, right, and it's all sort of dried over the side. Oh, God, it's shocking. It weighs a ton. Just... Oh, so you would mix up a big lot of that that would yeah. last the whole, that yeah. whole layer for that day. Maybe, sort of thing. yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe you have to mix more of it. And do you, yeah. do you add medium ever? Uh, I use medium, but I don't add it as such. I, 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 I use medium to create... Um, in the underpainting to create marks, I use the gel medium, but I don't mix it with the paint to create volume within the paint. It, it's uh, oh, it's okay. a funny way that I use it, and I do use it, but I don't. Oh, uh, but not for the impasto. No, and I do use mediums for the glazing, so you know, uh, okay. just so that the paint retains kind of a uh, a good quality with the colour. Mm. So, so mm. yeah, I use different mediums for that. Mm. It's just kind of ways that I've invented of painting and they keep changing I don't do it the same every time well you know what I think um, is a really exciting part of that must be really exciting for you to explore is the waves in your painting like the movement of water because that is a and you do it so well because I, that is a really challenging thing to do for any painter and we I think we've all seen those the, you know, I mean, I don't mean to be, you know, to more amateur painters trying to do waves. And even if it looks exactly like a photo, it just doesn't have that power in it, you know. Do you think, what do you think is behind that? I mean, with with water, have you grappled with that? Oh, heck yeah, yeah. No, I've I seen a way and got one of those books about how to paint water. <laughs> but <laughs> I haven't really used it, I've got to say. It, it, um, and it, it keeps changing. Well, there are me. YouTube videos as well. <laughs> to go back. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, it keeps changing. Uh, I, I really want it to feel as physical and, and as, I mean, water's just constantly changing. You want to get a sense of that, that motion uh, and... Um, yeah, it, it's difficult. I, you know, I just keep trying at it. And, yeah. uh, you see from these ones too that I, I use sprays and uh, you know, you've got to try different things out. So you want to achieve something, you try six different ways of doing it. Yeah. The other thing 
we were talking about, which I meant to mention earlier, was the use of light, because light is a huge thing in your work, uh, I, I suspect. I think, I think with most painters, with me anyway, that, that you kind of compose a painting based on the light in terms of you know, well, the shadow and the light. Mm. It's kind of how you work it. Um, in an abstract way, I used to think of it when I was an abstract painter, I was still thinking composing tonally, so composing a painting to do with black whites and grey mm. tones, so sort of thinking of it in that way. Mm. And, I, I, and I think now, yeah, that's how I paint. I, I paint, I paint using those kind of gradients and sort of explaining that in the painting through 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 a shadow so yeah so that's yeah what so well I'm, there's a huge tonal range like you, your darks are really dark and your lights are really light yeah i have trouble if i do a trip and, and you don't have shadow and you don't have sun i find that very difficult to paint you know sometimes yeah. i go to a place and it'll be like that and then oftentimes i won't paint it Mm. You know, it's, it's obviously different painters work in different exactly, ways. Exactly, you know. exactly, right. Um, and would you ever change, I mean, I, I was talking to you before and you said that you can sort of change the light source if you need to. Or... Oh, absolutely, because the pictures are, uh, I mean, they're kind of made up. So in the sense that, uh, although I do use photos as, as a base, it's, it's not that kind of frozen moment of a mm. photograph. It's, no. it, it's kind of... Uh, you know, I, I can change it, and I do. You know, I don't use Photoshop or anything like that, but, uh, you know, I'll cut up a photograph and try it six different ways, and, and I'll use a bunch of different photographs as well to, to, uh, to get what I want. As an abstract painter, I used to draw and draw and draw. That was what I used to do. But really? now, as, yeah, as a figurative painter, I don't, I don't do that so much. It's partly because when I paint, I don't want to draw into the paintings. I, I, I use lines, but I don't want to just draw into the painting. I don't want to have that kind of picture. I, I think painting and drawing are different activities. They inform each other, but they're quite different. So the activity so, of drawing for me doesn't doesn't really help so much. It's just uh, so that's why I, I don't do it so much mm. anymore. I might sketch out, you know, where my interests lie. If I'm on a trip. I might do some smaller drawings, kind of working out what I liked about the landscape. For, mm. for, for me, it's kind of like you, you you're gathering information. You're looking at ways of gathering information, and, and then you're kind of processing the information. So information can then, come in different ways. Yeah, you know, so. well, would you then, could you then depart from, from say, the, the, that, that structure and then just zone in and think, well, this, this area of, of abstraction, I'm just going to make it look the way I want to make it Oh, look. absolutely, definitely, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, oh, I want to make a satisfying picture. I, mm. I don't want to make a picture that, 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 that's, you know, probably photographically correct but, you know, doesn't contain what I want it to contain. Mm. You're searching for that thing, and it's hard to find. It's, uh, and do you sort of does it reveal itself as the painting goes along? Sometimes? Well, you hope so. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> always. Yeah. <laughs> and do you find you have to? So you have to stand back quite quite regularly. To... Oh yeah, you can't just be up close to a painting, especially you know a really physical painting. You've got to stand back and have a look at what you've done and see how it's worked see what it creates mm. yeah definitely and do you feel i mean I, I often ask artists what you know how they they you know get into the flow of painting do you have to have certain um conditions in the studio do you have to feel a certain oh, way oh i think so yeah i i, I do yeah definitely I, I 
I mean, I've done residencies in the past, but it takes me so long to get used to working in a different studio. I find it really hard. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I, I need to feel settled. I need to uh, kind of have music on that I like and, and uh, yeah, kind of create those conditions yeah. and not feel tired. I mean, I, I need to feel fresh. I'm one of those kind of guys. I don't paint at night. I do work at night, but I don't paint at night. I don't like the light, and I, oh, I don't like right. being tired. I like to feel, you know, full energy. For me, it's like, you know, it's like the idea of being in a race or something. You you want to bring your best to it. You don't want to be. Mm. You know, I mean, other artists work like that. I'm not. I'm not saying that everybody should work the way I work, but you know. I want to feel the best I can mm. and I want to be set up the conditions where I can you know, do it the best I possibly can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you've talked about as well of being quite a um, physical sort of painter as well. Do you find that when you're painting, it's a very, uh, you're using your whole body? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And that was one of the things I think that was kind of a leftover from abstraction. If you look at a painter like Pollock, I mean, he kind of, like his paintings are about himself in the sense that he's, you know, he's, his physical mark is, is present in, 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 in all the marks that he makes. His body is present in that. Mm. And I think abstraction sort of allowed people to, to, to think in those terms. And, yeah, I'm kind of trying to bring, well, I am bringing that kind of thing into figuration, whereby, again, the mark is kind of identifying me a little bit because uh, I don't obviously I don't put a figure in the pictures, so they're not about me in that sense. But you know, through the physicality, it's kind of an identifier of, 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 of what my approach is. Mm. Yeah. So it's really an emotion that's coming through. Well, I guess it's an emotion. Yeah, uh, a physicality doesn't have to be an emotion. It's kind of like an energy as mm. much as anything. So yeah, an energy hopefully coming through, and a sense of that energy that that I bring to it. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've, you, one of your great passions in life is, is karate. Um, and I think you've been doing that for many years. Well, the, the karate is a balance for me because, uh, you know, as, as, as a painter, I spend a heck of a lot of time in my own head, mm. uh, which is not always a great place to be. Uh, and then for part of the day, uh, I do the karate and I can't think about art too much. I've got to think about, uh, you know, uh, doing the movements as well as I can. So mm. it's kind of meditative for me. It's physical. And Is that a morning thing you would do? No, no, I do. I usually do it in the afternoon at about 3.30 or 4 o'clock. I do, oh. I do it then. So I've done most of my painting and it's just kind of a, 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 an escape so is that a, so karate is a very energetic sort of um, yeah it is sport. but it's sort of also requiring of thought uh, you know and memory and uh, I, I, like I said I, I find you know like most painters I have that sort of thing happening in my head there's a lot of lot of inner dialogue going on and it really shuts up when I do do the uh, karate and mm. I, I mean I do a certain amount of cardio as well I'll go for uh, I run on the treadmill across the road at the gym. And again, that's really good for my brain. I find you know that's that's something that really helps me mm. uh, not 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 take things as seriously. You know, not to yeah. wake up in the night so much and think about it. Uh, if, if, if I'm balancing it out to do that, and, yeah. and the karate, you know, it's just a different thing. Uh, mm. It's it's something that I've done for so long now, uh, and I love it. I absolutely well, love it. Well, you teach it as well, don't you? I do. I mean, yeah. You and McLeod was telling me when I interviewed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You and <laughs> does karate. Uh, he's got his black belt. Uh, oh, my, has he? He's yeah, got his black he's belt. He's been about eight years, nine years. Wow, now. Yeah. I didn't know that. He's yeah. so modest. And Telly too. He does it. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, we um. 
that my first my first karate class was all art students. We were at art school, and oh. the instructor was another art student, Tom Somerville from back in the day, uh, and. Um, yeah, so there's always been an aspect with me when I teach it. We we talk a lot about art, and um, uh, yeah, it's 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 a curious kind of a thing. Mm. And I did it in America. That's where my hombu or the, the 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 head of my style is is based in Florida of pla- of all places. Mm. When I when I went to New York the first time, I was studying in. Karate in New Jersey. I used to go and do karate in New Jersey, and it was in a funeral home. And these big American guys, and they'd push back all the coffins and would do karate in the funeral home. Oh. It was just the strangest <laughs> thing, you know? It was just, just weird. And uh, after the workout, they'd bring out all these beers and kind of, it's just strange, very postmodern. And also, you've, you're represented by, you know, the big galleries in Australia. You're with Philip Bacon in Brisbane and Martin Brown here in Sydney. They're, they're, they've both been fantastic. You know, I really appreciate that. And it's very hard to exist as a painter if you don't have a good gallery. Lots of really good painters don't have good galleries, and it's very, very difficult. Mm. It just makes it, a, you know, it just makes it a bit easier. Yeah. yeah. And was it hard? To, is it hard to sort of get a, your, your foot in the door in that? In that way, or was it at the beginning? Uh, I mean, it yeah. sounds like you sort of hit the ground running when you came to Australia. Yeah. It, I look, suppose it, the second time rather than, the, I suppose, the Melbourne experience. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> yeah, well, it probably sounds like that from the outside, but no, I mean, I, I had to sort of work my way into it, and mm. I was very lucky to get that representation. I, I feel very fortunate to be in that position, and, mm. and uh, you know, I don't take it for granted. I work very, very hard. When I'm not going on trips, I work every day. I work three months in a row, I work every day. And mm. I get up early, I paint hard. Uh, you know, uh, I will work into the evenings if I have to. And uh, you know, I try hard. But yeah, I get up really early and I, I just want to go at it. And oh, OK. I, you know, so how early would you start? Oh, well, I say really early. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes I get in the studio before eight o'clock, that's early oh, yeah, for that's me. Early. So, yeah, that's early for me. Uh, yeah, but not, not no. I, I, the, yeah, look, if I'm really neurotic at times, I would have got up in the middle of the night and painted at like four or five in the morning. Oh, but, really? But that's just stupid. You know, that's just <laughs> the dumbest thing I can do. So, yeah. Well, then you've got to rely on artificial light. Although I yeah. suppose you've got to rely on artificial it's, light. And it's all that anxiety. It's just painting out of anxiety, which is not good. It's not healthy. So now we avoid yeah. that like the plague. Yeah. So and do you, you feel nice anxious like in a lead up to a show or something? Oh, absolutely. It's a real battle. And I hate that. And uh, yeah, it's sort of managing that as much as anything. It's always very really confronting when you see all your work in one room and you think, my God, I made all of this. And, you know, it's not always you think, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, that's confronting. That's, that's not always easy. Yeah. And painting is one thing and, and then showing is quite another. And I'm, I am a socially awkward sort of person. I don't find it easy to, to, uh, you know, to, to be around other people. So opening nights would be a bit of a, of oh, a hard... Oh, they a challenge for me, yeah. yeah. And I feel, you know, I always you know, worry that I forget people's names. And I, I really appreciate people buying my work. And, uh, uh, but come opening night, I'm just not going to remember everybody's names. I'm going to be, you know, quite flustered. Yeah, and, and, that. and that bothers you. Oh, yeah. it really does, because yeah. I, feel, I, feel, I feel real... 
I feel really beholden to to people that 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 that, that keep me painting. Mm. I mean, I've done a lot of shitty jobs over the years, and I don't want to go back to doing them if I can possibly help it. And uh, you know, selling paintings does make a real big difference, and it's mm. nice to have that support, and it's nice to have people enjoying your pictures in one form or another. I mean, mm. I really appreciate that. Well, I suppose um, being a full-time artist, a professional artist, must be. You know, there's that uncertainty of year to year. You just oh, absolutely, and it's a real privilege. I mean, I think we're so lucky to be able to do that. And and mm. uh, you know, there is some money in the art market at the moment, but you know, in the long term, possibly there won't be. You you, you don't know. We're very very lucky to be able to do that. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just don't take it for granted. Yeah. And so, how do, and how do you find um, being married to another artist? Because Joanna Braithwaite is a well-known Australian, well, New Zealand Australian slash New Zealand artist as well. Uh, how how do you find that? You know, works. Yeah, in... it's been great for us. But you know, look, it's not easy. We we we, we sort of through 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 a long period of painting. Uh, it, there's been times when one of us will be doing a lot better than the other and, and that can be hard on your ego. It's not always easy. Mm. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, on the other hand, when we talk in the evening about painting, we kind of understand each other mm. and we think very similarly about it. And the other thing is that, you know, some artists get a feeling that they're special because they're doing okay. Your partner just won't put up with that. <laughs> They're just not going to let you go down that track. Yeah, that's right. Uh, They'll be real about it. Yes. I must say, well, the, the thing with you two is that you paint totally differently as well, which yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, and uh, you know that's great too. Yeah. Uh, but but look, I really trust her her opinion. But again, I don't want her opinion because I want it to be you know I want to I want to use my own. Thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that too. That you don't want input until you're ready for the input. No, because it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to be yourself as an artist. And that's kind of what you're trying to achieve is, is, is some kind of, you know, voice of your own. And, mm. and, and, and if, if you listen to other people, it's not really your own voice at that point. It becomes, yeah. you know, driven by something else. So, so, yeah, we're pretty careful about that. Uh, and it's not because we don't value each other's opinions, but we sort of have boundaries in that way. Yeah. And, and, but at the same time, it's been great, and we do trips together and look at things, and uh, you know, it's it's been wonderful. Well, Fraser, thank you so much for having me in your studio. It's been such a pleasure to talk about your work and life, and good luck with your show with Martin Brown. Oh, thanks, Maria. Let's, let's hope for the best on that score. And, and thank you. You've been a wonderful interviewer, and I really appreciate that you do these podcasts. And I think all the artists out there that, that, uh, that, that listen to the podcast really appreciate it too. Oh, thanks so much. What a great artist and lovely person. And I'm not just saying that because he said nice things about my podcast. Go to talkingwithpainters.com for details of Fraser's upcoming solo show at Martin Brown Contemporary. I'll also be uploading a video of Fraser in his studio in the next week or so. So watch out for that on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and on the website. And for those of you who haven't heard it already, my conversation with Fraser's wife, the amazing artist Joanna Braithwaite, is episode six on the podcast, which you can hear on the website as well. 
Also, thanks to all of you who joined me on my live Instagram journey on the day of the Archibald announcement. I managed to make my way into the media pack at the Art Gallery of New South Wales and interviewed the winners of the Archibald Win and Sulman. And videos of those interviews are on the Talking With Painters YouTube channel. Just search Talking With Painters playlist on YouTube or just Google Talking With Painters playlist and it'll come up. I'll also be doing an in-depth interview of the winner of the Archibald, Tony Costa, which I'm looking forward to, and that interview will be on the podcast soon. Also, if you're looking for a way to support the podcast, one of the best things you can do is rate and review on iTunes. Thanks again to all of you who have done that already. It really helps the show get out to more people. Thanks for listening and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking With Painters. As, as a painter, you're not always that aware of what your work's about anyway. It's kind of like, it's, not, it's not, kind of not your job, you know. You're there to paint them. Other people want to uh, apply meanings. That's fine. And I like the way people bring their own experiences to painting as well. So, that, you know, they say it, see it from their own point of view. And that's partly why I don't have figures in, because I think if you put a figure in it, you're kind of, you're kind of giving things a size and a... a, a and, a specific relationship to the viewer that I would rather was more open.